Episode 7, we're going to start off by talking about staff. I'll give you five ways you can utilize an office meeting to get the most out of their potential. Then we're going to the cold start, talking about scheduling. I opened up from 7.30 to 8.30 at night my first three days. Realize that's a bad idea. Listen why. Then we're going to talk about myopia management. It's been a journey. I've had some ups and downs. I'm going to give you the details on where I'm at now. And then we finish with my closing thought of the day. This is the Ultimate OD Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to Optometry, the Ultimate OD Podcast, building better doctors one episode at a time. Here's your host, optometrist and practice owner, Dr. Nick Lilly. All right, episode seven, we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, and that's my staff. All right, I love them. I hate them. We have good times. We have bad times, but they are a constant in our lives. Okay, they're your second family. They are your hands and feet out of the exam room in the office. They represent you. You're either encouraging their actions or you're allowing them to happen. How involved are you in their training, in their message, in their purpose? I hope very, all right? If not, I hope you're telling the office manager what you want and they're doing an amazing job of instilling it in them. We're gonna go from a big picture perspective and then we're gonna add many layers to this as the weeks go forward. So the first thing I wanna talk about is how do you get your staff on the same page? And that is the office meeting. This is ground zero. This is where you can get the temperature of the room, see how everyone's doing, you can get everyone on the same page. So if there's an issue, you address it there. If there's pushback, let everyone be there so they're all involved. And then the last thing is, this is the best place for you to sell your message, okay? They have to buy in to what you believe in, what you're doing, what you're practicing, and this is a place to do it. You'll talk to them through the week for many different reasons. You have a morning huddle, but that is not the office meeting. The office meeting is something separate. Work's not going on. There's no other patients in the office. Your sole purpose is to communicate with them, get their feedback, and work as a team. Do you ever notice when big corporations have speakers come in, a lot of times you see former coaches, former athletes. There's a reason for this. Sports resemble work and life. And a lot of what we do is trying to have a team environment, a team atmosphere. This is what we're doing with the office meeting. You're getting your team together and you're getting them on the same page. Okay, so I have about five keys that you need to do to have a good office meeting to get the most out of your staff. Number one, be consistent. All right, you can't have this once a quarter. You can't have it once a year. It's in one year, out the other. You have to be consistent. I say at the maximum once a week, at the minimum once a month. All right, being involved as you need to be, your office manager can run some of these, but you have to be there, you have to be present. You own the office, you're their leader. I don't care if the office manager does most of the practice management in terms of training them, you're the face of the office. They represent you. If you're not there, if you're not involved, what you say doesn't matter, it's not gonna get to their heads, okay? So make it mandatory. Make sure they're getting paid for it, Find a time that works for everyone. I was an idiot when I first started out. In my mind, I didn't have a wife. I didn't have kids. Saturdays are great. We work Saturday. We're done at noon. 
everyone can come in and we'll have a meeting. Talk about not getting them enthused for something. Make it on a Saturday. Again, this is where I got some pushback. They're like, why are we doing this on Saturday? We get we have to have meetings. Let's do it during the week. And I thought that was brilliant. You're much smarter than me. See, the team is already working right there, right? So then I put it on Monday nights after our, the end of the day. Kind of good because it wasn't Saturday, right? Can't be worse than that. So I set the bar really low. That's a good way to get ahead with your office. Set the bar low. They'll love you for it. The problem with Monday nights, they were tired at the end of the day. They didn't want to listen. Or if they did want to listen, they were fatigued. They couldn't listen as well. They didn't want to participate. Getting them involved is important. So now on Wednesdays and Thursdays, I start seeing patients at 10. We don't even open till 10. So I have them come in at 8.45. I put them on the clock. We do everything before we get started. They're fresh in the morning. I bring coffee in. We have donuts, but we're ready to go. They get an extra hour for the week and work. So it's a good all around. All right. So they have the energy. They know they have to be there to work anyways. Everyone works on those days. So that works out. Now, the next thing is you have to have a purpose for every meeting and a focal point. All right. The purpose is to improve the office. This can't be you yelling at them the whole time. Have housekeeping, as I like to call it. So go over those nuances. They're just the nuts and bolts of your office, the basic mundane things. But also have this as a place to teach them something. So if you're a dry eye clinic or you see a lot of medical patients, so you see a lot of glaucoma, you see a lot of diabetes, educate them on this. Show them examples of why you're doing dilated fundus exams. Show them an eye with diabetic retinopathy. Explain what's going on there. Tell them how to get their blood sugar under control or tell them what they can do outside of eye drops to help their dry eye. They will be your biggest cheerleaders if they know what's going on, if they're involved, if they're invested. If they feel like they're changing someone's life, they're pumped up for it. A good job is a place where, one, you feel you're making a difference in other people's lives, and two, you have a purpose. You're giving this to them. This is what I mean by selling your message, okay? So, again, hit your mundane, your day-to-day things, but have a focal point of that meeting, okay? Make sure it's tied into your office, either where you want to go or what you're doing right now. Now, I mentioned this before, but don't just stand up there and lecture. Have them participate. There's a lot of different ways to do this. I'll give you one that's worked for me. So if someone's struggling with something in the office and they're consistently making mistakes, say doing workups or checking in frames or making an appointment for diabetic patients if you have a special protocol, I'll say, hey, I want you to teach the staff how to make an appointment for a diabetic patient, what they need to bring in, what you need to remind them to do. You'll see their eyes get really big, but you'll never see them work harder or pay more attention than at that time when they know they have to present in front of a group. Now, a mistake I made in the past was gave everyone something to present. Problem with that is no one listens to what's being presented. They're just worried about when their turn is coming up. So pick one staff member, have them teach something to the office. Their coworkers will do a great job of paying attention to a fellow staff member because they know they're coming up at some point. They want to have the same courtesy. All right. And then that staff member that was weak at something now knows it better than they ever have. And they tend to be a little better at it. So make sure that happens. Okay. Make sure you're teaching out of it. In addition, I like to point out good things. All right. Remember staff meetings is getting everyone on the same page, setting the temperature of the room. 
All right, you want to get find out where they're at, but you want to move them to where you want them to be. So if we're talking about things they did well, if we get good reviews or if someone handles a really hard patient in a positive way, I bring that to everyone's attention. Again, we're not only emphasizing what we want everyone to do, we're encouraging the actions that they already did. Okay. Now you can do this in multiple different ways, but I like to use specific examples. I write them down throughout the month and then bring this up. Mrs. Johnson came in. This was the issue. How would you guys have handled this? All right. So it's a good quiz. If they don't know the situation, we'll see what they're going to say, but then you can reinforce good. Those are good answers. This is what Kelly did. And Kelly, you did an awesome job here. She was still angry, but guess what? That wasn't your fault. This is showing them one that they did a good job. You saw it Two, You have their back. If it didn't go their way, Hey, there's nothing. I wouldn't have done anything any different than that. I think you did a great job. They feel good. Now when they get more of those situations, they're not tentative. They're confident that you support them and they're doing what you taught them. I see a lot of positives out of that. Again, make sure that you're encouraging the good things you see every day. The last thing is make some kind of fun happen here. Okay. Whether you do a frame draft. So I had everyone pick their five favorite frames, put them on a table. And then we all picked our favorite frames from that pile. It was like uh, fantasy football. They loved it. They were never more invested in everyone going into optical or what frames were selling than then. So find ways to encourage things you need done. If you remind a diabetic patient to know their A1C, their last blood sugar when they come in, every time a patient knows that, everyone gets a point, right? They will do the things that they are incentivized to do. This is behavioral economics 101, friends. Incentivize what you want to encourage, okay? So the last thing out of everything we talked about there is, after the meeting's done, I like to give the manager a rundown of the notes and then go over individually everything we talked about. It's a lot of times that everyone's there, everyone hears it, but no one raises their hand if they're lost. This is a good way to find the people, the sheep that have wandered off, all right? And make sure they're on the same page as everyone. It also gives my manager a one-on-one -on -one experience with that staff member to just see how they're doing, how their life's going, if they're liking the job, anything we can do. This is another way to build relationships in the office with leadership to know that we care about them. I'm gonna tell you this right now. They're going to let you down. They're going to have bad days. They're not going to care, but they are the reason why you're successful. I don't care how good of a doctor you are. You can't do it without them. So invest time, effort, and energy into them. The first part of doing that is a good office meeting. Make it mandatory. Make it happen. You're going to be better for it. Your staff will thank you. Office meetings. All right, for all you new optometrists out there, this is the cold start segment. This is where I go back in the time machine, tell you what I did wrong, and hopefully you don't make the same mistakes, right? So when I first started out, I read as much optometric management as I could. Any tip of the day I could get, I was all over it. You know what they weren't telling me? How to run an office where you might see one patient a day, where sometimes the phone doesn't ring at all that day, or if it does, uh, it's the wrong number or they think you're the local family practice or the pharmacy, because your number's really similar. They ask if you take this insurance. And you know, at that point, I'm like, I don't know, should I? Do you have it? Literally said that on a phone call. Okay, so that's a little awkward, right? But you're not gonna read that anywhere. 
Okay. No one tells you how to schedule when you're opening up cold. So let me give you some tidbits of advice that I think, well, some funny things that I did wrong and what I would do now if I, you know, had the knowledge I do now. And hopefully you do this now because you'll have my knowledge, right? That's how it is. So when I first started, I thought the more availability, the better. All right. So I was open the first three days of practice, 7.30 to 8.30. Yeah, that's 7.30 in the morning to 8.30 at night. Number one, I had one staff member. She wasn't going to stay there the whole time like that. And if she was, after about two days, she'd be maxed out on hours, right? I know that's a little exaggeration, but you get what I'm saying. Also, I was burning myself out. So I cut back to 7.30 to 7.30 for about the first six months. Again, too much availability for a very small schedule. I wanted to be there. I wanted them to know I was available, but I would never suggest you do that. So the prime time for appointments, at least when you're first starting out, some people will tell you early mornings, which I think is a good legitimate thing depending on where you're working. But if you get a morning appointment, they're there to get the exam and then they got to get to work. They got to get to school. Not the best time to have a good capture rate to increase your revenue. So evenings are your prime time. Find out when school gets out in your area and that's the time you want to make sure you have availability. So after school till about 6 to 7 p.m. Go 8 o'clock if you want. Again, this is going to affect you down the road when you're staffing, but initially when you're trying to establish your brand, get those evenings in there, okay? Mondays are very busy. Coming out of the weekend, people have so many things that happen or they actually sit down and they think about what they need to do. Monday morning, even in a cold start, your phones will ring. Be there, be available. Consider Saturdays initially. That's one way to set yourself apart. A lot of established practices are lucky enough that they have enough patients, they don't need to work Saturdays anymore. You'll see that they're still probably working one to two evenings because those are still money no matter where you're at in your practice life. But Saturdays, you can get a lot of patients that can't get off work or when you think about a Saturday, you wake up and you're like, hey, I want to do this. You do it on a whim. So even if you're not scheduling out, you get a lot of random calls on Saturdays. We're not open on Saturdays. I still have my office phones forwarded to my cell phone on the weekends. Saturdays, I still get a ton of calls. So I think that's a good thing to consider when you're first starting. Have evenings, consider Saturdays, make sure you're there on Mondays. Now this is gonna sound counterintuitive, but less availability is better at first, okay? So be very coordinated in what you do for multiple reasons. One, you can use your time at another office to get pay, to get revenue in, so help out somewhere. You can also be very creative with your staffing. If you have them working 12 hours in a day, you're gonna need up all their hours. So if they only work a few nights a week, you can have multiple part-time members that can help out. It just helps you in cash flow wise with your office staff. Try to have condensed hours and then group who you're scheduling, all right? So when you see patients, you see two an hour from three o'clock to six o'clock, or you see four in one hour, if you that's how you run your office, you can be really aggressive early on. Again, I would advise that you space it out, give them the five-star experience, and then give them personal attention, right? You can answer more questions. You can have them spend more time in optical. Remember, you're not gonna get a lot of patients in, so you wanna get the most out of every patient you do see. Make them tell everyone about you, that hey, you were there, you answered questions, None of the other doctors had as much time as Dr. Lilly had, okay? 
So those are two things I think scheduling wise that matter. The other thing is when you're first starting out, your staff is not going to do a lot of optical, not do a lot of adjusting. Know what they're going to do? Answer questions and answer phones. Make sure you train them how to do this well. A lot of times in even established offices, you put a new person on phones and I think that's a horrible idea. Let me say it again, a horrible idea. That's how people judge you initially. If I get someone that's a bad receptionist and they're in a bad mood or they don't have a good personality, I judge the whole office like that. I don't want to go there. All right. The other thing is when you're a cold start, you get one shot at a patient. And if they're asking pricing questions and your staff member doesn't know or they misquote them, they're not going to come see you because you're super expensive. So make sure you have a list of FAQs that you train them on. I like to make a sheet when they're taking in a, a patient's information on there is everything I want them to ask. So they don't have to look or remember. Give them all the answers or make a cheat sheet that they have next to their computer. So when they're scheduling, they do everything that you ask them to do. Make it easy for them. Don't make this a closed book test. So those are a few things I think you can do when you're starting off cold. They will just give you a leg up as a cold start practice. All right, it's time to talk myopia management. This is where I take you on my journey where we're learning how to be a niche office, a specialty clinic with myopia management. I'll tell you this. Nothing goes as planned, and sometimes you have to make lemonade when you get lemons. So great news. I had a patient sign up. They want to do myopia management. A 12-year-old girl. Awesome. We did everything. We did the dispensing appointment. That was a little difficult. Okay, I thought me and the staff did a great job of explaining. The patient, however, when we went to put in, I put in comfort drops or a little bit of tetracaine when I first teaching them how to put it on just so their initial exposure to the lens isn't like a big shock. It was very difficult getting drops in her eyes. And I instantly had the, oh man, mom's going to want a refund today. I'm not even going to get a start with this, right? Well, we fought through it. We got the lenses on her eyes. We got them off. I had mom put them on, take them off. We did it. All right. So that was cool. We had it all set up that night. She was going to sleep in them, come in the next day, and we'll we'll go after it. I give them all my contact numbers. So if they had any issues, I told them, you text me. Let me know what's going on. I'm here to help out. Let's go. 10 o'clock, I'm in bed, talking to my wife. We're watching some TV. I get a text. Patient got sick at the fair. I know. Why were they at a fair? I have no idea. But got sick. Ate something she shouldn't. And she mom was like, there's no way I'm going to get these in her eyes. Can we reschedule? I said, absolutely. I want her to be healthy. I was just honestly relieved that it wasn't the lenses that were making her sick. I had to confirm that she was sick because of actual food, not because she was so worried about getting those lenses on. Again, everything flashed before my eyes. This is never going to work. My first one, crash and burn, right? But the next day she called. We got her on the schedule. So she wore them. It was actually last night. I saw her this morning and... Went great, they thought, until the morning when they checked the left lens that they thought had they had on her eye. Guess what? Wasn't there. They found it on the floor the next morning. But the right eye was good, and they were super pumped that she could see well out of her right eye. So I'm like, that's fine. We'll get some information on that. Let's see in the office still. Again, I just want to re-emphasize how excited I am. I was hoping that the right eye was good, and she'd be excited for it. Come in, 
And I thought that she'd take it off the lens because they were so pumped they should see well. Well, she had the lens on the eye still. They couldn't get it off. So it wasn't perfect. I'm glad it was on the eye. I could evaluate it. But now the moment of truth. I was going to take off the lens and see how she saw. She was a minus two starting out. She saw a 2020 was pumped. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to do this tonight. Like, if this is how I see, this is awesome. I have school starting Monday. It was amazing. I was pumped up. So that got me really jacked up. I thought it was a great experience considering how many obstacles I ran into. So they're going to wear them all weekend. We're going to see them again on Monday. Hopefully that left eye is caught up. She's seeing 2020. Minus two in the right eye, minus 175 in the left. That's my home run patient. That's what I should have started with. It just happens my wife has crazy eyes, minus 650. And of course, she's the one that wants to try this. And again, how am I going to say no to her? Gotta try it, right? The other staff member that was willing to do it because everyone else has crazy astigmatism, a minus nine prescription, or a plus 450 is a minus 525. So again, I started with my hardest two patients and honestly, things have not went real well. And that leads me into the rise and fall of the moon lens. The sun's kind of rising on the moon lens, if you will, but I'm kind of falling out of favor with it. And it's not necessarily the lens, but Art Optical, who I love, They're great people, they are trying really hard, but they're just learning what they're doing. At that point, it's kind of frustrating because a couple of times I called in, like I said, they were great, they walked me through everything, but when I called in this third time to order a lens, what they told me before was wrong. So that made me really kind of irritated. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is what X, Y, and Z said, why are we doing this? All right, also, They don't seem real confident when I call in. They're always talking to other people. Makes me think maybe I shouldn't start with them if I'm not fully confident in what I'm doing. I need to go with someone that knows what they're doing so they can help me get up to speed. And then when I know a little more, they may be the person to go with. So kind of falling out of favor initially with Art Optical. I think they're great. I think they're going to get there. But again, their staff's learning just like me. And I don't think two people learning how to drive the car should be on the road. Get my drift. So I'm looking to a couple of different manufacturers. I talked to Dan Minor. I told him I'd give him a shout out from Euclid. If you guys are looking to get into Ortho K, he was amazing, answered a ton of questions. The thing that stuck with me about him is he's like, all we do is Ortho K. We don't do anything else. This is our bread and butter. So if we suck, we won't be here. If we're good at Ortho K, We're going to be in business. And he said business is booming right now, even amongst the pandemic. And he goes, every conversation we have, we have a hundred times a day with different practitioners. So we know what we're talking about. Your problem's not unique because we already had this conversation five other times with five other doctors. That gave me a little more confidence. They say that 80% of their first fits are successful. They do it empirically. So I'm going to give them a try the next time I go after it. I think... They may be my workhorse, again, falling out of favor a little bit with the moon lens at this point. Now, contacts, I've heard good things from a couple of people. One of the classes I went to, they promoted them. So they seem nice enough. Um, Again, not sure if I'm going to go that route. I do think I'm going to start working with GP specialists for my higher prescription patients. One, they have the IC lens. They have the GOV. They have a lot of different options in ortho K. And when I talk to them, they're very confident that they do way higher prescriptions than the minus 650 I want to do. So again, I'm thinking I'm I'm kind of maneuvering how I'm going to do my ortho K. And that's 
Euclid is my workhorse. All my minus five and unders, they can handle up to 150 sill. And then GP specialists, their IC lens and their GOV for my high RXs or something a little flat, flatter Ks, hyperopia, presbyopia. They do that. I'm not ready for that kind of noise yet, but that's how I'm reshaping my myopia management practice. I'll tell you this, I'm super pumped up. If I needed some juice, the look on that girl's face this morning got me energized, got me excited. You guys need to get involved with this because you see someone that couldn't see, that doesn't wear their glasses, and they can see the next day. That joy is like when you give the person that's never had glasses their first pair and they see leaves on a tree. So that's myopia management. That's kind of the journey I'm on. Give me your feedback. What are you guys doing? What ortho-K lenses do you like? Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter. I want your feedback. Whoa, you guys are still there? Closing thought of the day. I don't know where the time went. I'm having fun. I could have just kept talking for hours here. Have you guys realized how crazy the world is right now? Have you sat back and thought, man, I bet this is the craziest time ever. If you look back at history, you're going to realize, although this is nuts, it's frantic, it's crazy, it's happened before. We've had world wars, we've had other pandemics, we've had other things going on. So all I'm saying here is take a step back, see the forest amongst the trees. We're very myopic. I know, myopic, right? But let's have a big picture view. And the reason I say this is I think this is the best time for you to attack something new. I don't care if it's a podcast, if it's myopia management, if you're going to learn a new martial art, whatever this is, this is a time where we have more perspective, more realization that tomorrow's not promised. We never know when everything is going to go up in smoke. So find your passion, find something that you wanted to do your whole life or you're interested in learning about and go after it now. You're going to look back in five years and say, out of this craziness, this is what happened. I can't believe I thought this was the worst time ever. This was the breeding ground for something amazing. So make this the starting point of your amazing moment. Make something happen. Don't get caught up in all the negative vibes out there. Take this positive energy and grow something amazing. I'm going to do it. You're going to do it. That's why we're optometrists. Dr. Lily out. We want to thank you for listening to today's episode and hope that you found a pearl to apply to your practice. We believe as a community, there is much wisdom to be shared. So if you have questions, suggestions, or requests, we want to know. Feel free to reach out to us via social media and leave a comment or email us at theultimateodpodcast at gmail.com so we can make this podcast even better for you. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll catch you again next week.